Welcome to the One City Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people draw closer to God by practicing the way of Jesus. We hope that your time with us blesses you and that you're able to see the invitations of Jesus to experience the love that he has for you. Unanswered prayer is one of the greatest mysteries of our faith. In the winter of 2019, Ileana and I began to start talking and dreaming about growing our family. We felt like we had developed a beautiful rhythm with Micah. He kind of spoiled us, if I'm being honest. Since he was a baby, he just naturally fell into sleeping 12 hours, had three naps. I mean, I was living the dream. So I told my wife, I'm ready, like, let's go. But months came and went by, and we were unable to get pregnant. We knew to trust in God's timing. But personally, I just couldn't help but to just feel disappointed and just frustrated. Then COVID hit, which turned all of our worlds upside down. We needed to learn and adapt to the dramatic change that none of us had ever experienced before or even imagined experiencing in our lives. But Liliana and I came together and we came to view this time as a blessing for our family. More time together. And actually, we took advantage of that time and, you know, continued our efforts in trying to grow our family. More months came and went, but our prayer for for God blessings with another child went unanswered. By this point, it had been quite some time since since we had begun our pregnancy journey. And one day, Liliana told me that she thought there could be something wrong and that we might need to see a a specialist. But to me, that didn't sound right. Because we had Micah. Micah came pretty quickly. It, It wasn't like we were trying for months. So how could something biologically be preventing us from getting pregnant again? It's something that I had to wrestle with. So we decided to go see a specialist. After going through months of testing and trials, we still had no answers, and we were no closer to expanding our family. All the tests would come back showing us that nothing was wrong. And it was so heartbreaking to see my my lovely wife cry herself to sleep, wondering why God wasn't answering our prayers. And I began to realize that I was unable to provide for her the best emotional support Not because I didn't understand what was happening. I mean, I was in the thick of it as well. But because I myself was unable to understand my own emotions. I began to more actively seek God. Because nothing else brought me the comfort that I so desperately was seeking after. I began to suffer alone. As many of you guys know, I was a pastor. I am a pastor, but I was a pastor of a a church. But I could be in a crowd full of people. I feel so lonely. Those around me began to offer good advice as I would share with them my story. But they didn't know that their words also hurt under the circumstances. What hurt the most was that I began to feel that I was abandoned by God. That was the pain that really stung the most. I tried to hang on to the promises of God like Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. But they just didn't have the same effect on me. 
the advice people gave me and the words that I was reading in Scripture were simply not meeting me in the depths of my soul. I was in real turmoil because as a pastor, I was supposed to be the most faithful one. Unanswered prayer created a tension for me that I had never experienced before. So I pressed into God more. Because no doctor, no sermon, no small group, no amount of scripture that I was reading would bring me the comfort that my broken heart was looking for. In the two and a half years of infertility, the, t- the hours at doctor's offices, the countless tests, the tears that were shared and endured, in retrospect, were because God was inviting us to know him in a different way that went beyond our understanding. We were entering into a knowing that moved from the intellectual to an experiential level. We believed that he saw our pain. We, we believed and we knew that he was actually moved by our silent suffering. But his love for me and Liliana went beyond our comprehension. But living in this heartache of unanswered prayer and, and the suffering was something that we never planned for as, as, as we thought this life would take us as being just followers and believers in Jesus. God's love for us was not the issue. As a matter of fact, his love for us is, for all of us, is unexplainable. John 3, verses 16 through 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. The lengths that God went for, all, that go, went for all of us to be brought back into his family were extreme. But like all loving relationships, our relationship with God isn't always sunshine and rainbows. Our individual relationship with Jesus can be very, very complex. It will have its challenges, especially when things don't necessarily go the way that we plan or expect them to. The trials and challenges that we face as followers of Jesus can either bring us closer to Jesus or pull us further away. We all know that it's in those spaces where we're going through adversity that are definitive moments for us in a lot of things, but none more important than our faith. The complexity of following Jesus originates from our unique ways of reacting to the things that happen to us. As followers of Jesus, the most trying times in our lives are not the external challenges that we face, like losing a job or breakups or just the basic things that don't necessarily go according to plan. They're the internal things. I think put another way, the most difficult and trying times in our lives as followers of Jesus come when we are in a period of unanswered prayer because of the suffering that takes place internally. The internal suffering is not so much that God doesn't answer our prayers. Our suffering comes from the feeling that we are alone. The most intense feeling is that that of abandonment. This feeling is an unexplainable feeling. It is a feeling of abandonment that really shakes us at the core. Unanswered prayers are the ones that stem from like a good thing, like a godly desire. Like for us, it was to be parents, like to continue to be fruitful, like Genesis says. They're they're pure, but they just simply don't come into fruition. These unanswered prayers can't find reason 
logic or even biblical understanding at times as to why they're not coming to pass. Unanswered prayers are those that make us question, doubt, and shake us to the core. Especially when the period of unanswered prayer drags on for an extended period of time. These seasons in our lives often create a tension and a strain in our relationship with God. But if we're willing, the tension that is created by these unanswered prayers can serve to grow us in faith with Jesus like never before. Because it's in these spaces where we encounter Jesus in ways that we have never experienced Him before. The uncertainty that we live in comes from us doing what we think is reasonable, like finding faith as small as a mustard seed. We even come to Jesus with that kind of faith and we seek, we ask, and we knock like Jesus tells us to, and nothing happens. We follow the Bible and what it says. We follow the advice of even the faithful that are uh, in our church community. But we grow anxious because we simply can't make sense as to why God seems so distant from us in our prayers. We grow frustrated and confused because we can't find a way how to mitigate our godly desire, which is the prayer, and the answer that just seems to be avoiding us. All of us, from one time or another, will go through the fires of unanswered prayer. Prayers for healing, prayers for miracles, prayers for the salvation of our loved ones, prayers for our children, prayers for the resurrection of our marriages, even the resurrection of our loved ones, prayers for our spouses. I mean, the list is endless. Prayers that don't seem to have an answer from God. It doesn't matter what the unanswered prayer is they all carry a considerable personal weight for all of us. Frankly, unanswered prayer is a great mystery of our faith. Following Jesus doesn't always give us a clear and definitive answers. It's in these gaps, in these places where we don't understand why things are happening, that our faith can serve as a bridge. A bridge that allows us to persevere through the uncertainty. There are many examples of unanswered prayer in the Bible. God promises to Abraham and Sarah that they will have a child. But they have to wait 25 years for that to happen. A woman that bled for 12 years. A man with a crippled hand. People who had people that were even possessed by demons before Jesus came in, healed them, and even cast those demons out. It is easy to try to look at these men and women and bypass their suffering and skip straight to the end of the story and see how Jesus um, answered their prayers. But these stories can also lead us down a path to wonder why. Why our prayers aren't being answered. So we look at these examples not for encouragement, but in our desperation, we look at them to try to figure out what they did that allowed them uh, to have their prayers answered. We can't forget that before they received their answer, there was a journey to that answer. The people in Jesus' time dealt with a lot of the similar circumstances that we deal with today, especially when it comes to unanswered prayer. But what is it that allowed their prayers to get answered? 
Why did God break through for them? But he doesn't seem to break through for us. I'd like for us to look at an encounter that Jesus had that doesn't directly answer these questions, but I believe they can serve as an encouragement for all of us. So if you have your Bible, let's turn to John 9. As he was passing, Jesus, as he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told them. Wash it in the pool of Siloam. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. His neighbors and those who had seen him um, before as a beggar said, Isn't this the man who used to sit begging? Some said, Yeah, he's the one. Others were saying, nah, but it looks like him. And he kept saying, no, 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 it's me, I'm the one. So they asked him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and he told me, go to Salem and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. But where is he? They asked. I don't know, he said. The way Jesus enters into this passage is that he notices the man that was born blind. This man was born blind, which means he suffered for years, not just privately, but publicly as well, because it says that he was a beggar. That was the only way that he can get money. But Jesus saw him. The same way that he sees you and he sees me when it comes to our suffering that we experience. Jesus' heart is always moved by those who are suffering. And his heart still continues to be moved by your heartache. But oftentimes, we're unable to see Jesus' movement towards us or even sense his nearness because of our disappointment that our unanswered prayers have created. One of the reasons is, is because of our inability to wait and endure. Listen closely to the disciples ask Jesus. They asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents? His disciples were quick to try to find a reasonable and logical answer to this man's blindness. And actually, it's with good reason. Because in the Old Testament, more failures and severe afflictions were often traced to serious sin. But this is also our common way of thinking. We're always trying to figure out what are we doing wrong that's hindering God from answering us. This, illustrate, this illustrates how it is in our nature to try to quickly run to try to find a logical answer to our unanswered prayers. We begin to try to connect the dots. We begin to try and find the reasons why things aren't necessarily going the way that we want them. Let me share with you a few of my thoughts from my diary um, that, that happened very early on, when, especially during the time when Liliana said we needed to go see a specialist. I said, Jesus, 
you might not be hearing me because of a particular sin that is still in my life. Another entry was, God is not happy with me because I haven't been able to kick this addiction to the curb. Another entry, God is not going to bless me until I fill in the blank. And one that was common in a lot of my entries and a lot of my journal entries was this. What is the lesson that God is trying to teach me here? What is it that I need to learn from this? And I just want to throw a word of caution. We need to be careful with this way of thinking because this would mean that God's love for us is, un- is, is conditional. In other words, that his blessing in our lives is a result of our good behavior or of our works. But that would actually go against his character because God's love is unconditional. 1 John uh, chapter 4. God's love was re- revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And listen to this verse. Love consists of this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the anointing sacrifice for our sins. Let that sink in. This is what love consists of. That not that we love God, but that he loved us. These questions that I shared with you, yours might sound similar to mine, or you might have your own. And they're normal. They're not to be dismissed. They are a part of our grieving. Our grieving. They also take the form of our disappointments. That's what these questions show us. I'm going to use the metaphor of a journey when speaking about this. These questions are meant to be something that we pass through, not something that we set up camp in. We pass through them by engaging Jesus with all of them. We don't hold back. If we're angry, if we're frustrated, if we're disappointed, if we're heartbroken, whatever it is, we don't hold back. We take our anger, our frustration, and our anger to him. We don't hang on to it. Because if we do, what we're doing is we're beginning to set up camp in this place. And the anger that we hang on to turns into bitterness and resentment. But this ground can be very healing in our continued journey, or it can be dangerous ground. I've actually known a few people who have left the faith altogether because they set up camp in this area right here. Listen to the words of Teresa of Avila, a Carmelite nun from the 1600s, who I would say she's like my spiritual mother. She says, don't seek the consolations of God, but seek the God of consolations. It's important to understand that the types of questions that surface during our periods of disappointment are more indicative of our view of God and not his view of us. Not that to sink in. Those seasons, those moments, those questions are more indicative of 
our view of God, not his view of us. Trying to make sense and seeking answers of why our prayers aren't being answered often lead us to spend hours that add up to days that mount up to be weeks and pile on to be months. And before we know it, it's years that prevent us from seeing Jesus in our midst. We can become so fixated on the answer that we even go as far to fantasizing our lives away. We wish that and we start thinking that, man, if God would only answer this prayer or remove this sickness or take this addiction or affliction, everything would be much better. This makes us lose focus on what's important, and that's God's nearness in our lives. Could it be that one of the mysterious works that our unanswered prayers have is that it brings to light our view of God and that God is leading us not to something different or a lesson to be learned, but simply towards himself in a deeper way? Look at Jesus' response to his disciples. This man did not sin, nor did his parents. But this happened that way so that God's works could especially be clear to him. Jesus is clarifying that neither this man's parents or his sins were the reason for his blindness, but for the works of God to become clear to him. The works of God are often mysterious, but one thing is clear all throughout Scripture, is that the way of God has always worked, uh, the way that God works is that He's always moving towards His children and blessing them. And this is so liberating. That the reason for our suffering is not because we're not worthy or that we're unloved, but it's actually the complete opposite. We are worthy. We are loved. God uses our suffering as a loving Father that wants us to experience Him in a deeper way. The truth is, is that we live in an imperfect world. We live in a broken world with dark principalities that have waged war against the creation and the children of God. Sometimes our prayers are not answered because of the brokenness in this world. The devil is set to steal, kill, and destroy. There's examples of this. Um, we can find examples of this with the story of Job in the Old Testament. But to me, it's so clear and evident in the book of Daniel. Daniel mourned and fasted and prayed for three weeks. There's actually a famous fast, right? Daniel's 21-day fast. His prayers weren't answered for 21 days. And an angel touched him on the 21st day and said to Daniel, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. For the first day that you proposed, uh, you, you proposed yourself to understand and humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. Hear that. The first time he prayed, his prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. So I was, I, he was in a battle with him for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princesses, came to help me after I had been left there um, with the kings of Persia. In short, the kings of Persia are uh, an illustration of the dark principalities that exist in this world that are here to create a disruption 
from our union with God. And sometimes it's them that are interfering with our prayers. Listen to Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's got to be encouraging. Prayers become our refuge. This is how we move from just being aware of God's presence in our life to living in His presence. Because prayer becomes our safe haven. Prayer becomes our refuge. Our prayers become the place where we must continue our fight. It's here in this space that we can encounter Jesus. And it takes both persistence and patience. Sometimes the blessing that we receive in our unanswered prayer is simply clarity. Clarity. This clarity can also be defined as revelation. It's a place where Jesus speaks to us and redirects our steps. My definition of revelation, revelation is a moment of intimacy that we experience with Jesus. That's all revelation is. You're finally able to put words to a feeling, to an emotion, to a thought. It's not this grand thing. It's personal. It's unique. It's a moment of intimacy. So don't miss it. The greatest gift that we can receive as people is not the answer to our prayer, like we like to think, like we like to fixate ourselves on. But the greatest gift that we can receive is Christ himself. That is what we must encounter and come face to face with. The question of, can Jesus be enough for our broken hearts? That is the question that as followers of Jesus, we must wrestle with every single day of our lives. Jesus' words in this passage in John 9, we have to be doing the works of the one who sent me, while it is still daylight. Nighttime is coming when no one can work. This is an echo of the Great Commission. As followers of Jesus, all eyes are on us, not just because of the words that we say, but because of the way that we live our lives. This is even more significant and more important, more vital during the times that in our lives when we're faced with affliction and suffering. People don't care what we have to say especially the unbelievers. They're looking at the way that we're living in our lives, especially in times of suffering and affliction. Jesus tells us with some urgency not to wait for things to be perfect or in line or in order to be the light in the world. We are the light in the world because of Him who lives in us. Even in our suffering, we can encounter Him. And it's in this encounter that he fills us with his spirit. His spirit that goes before us to touch people, to reach people, that brings light into the darkness. The Bible has a word for this. It's called compassion. That's what compassion is. 
Jesus makes this statement. He says, whenever I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The goodness of God is not based on our circumstances. God is good regardless of our circumstances. These aren't words I'm just saying to you to make you feel good. These words were a revelation that came to me during my months of suffering. This revelation can only come from a deep encounter with him. I'll never forget. Diana and I were out for dinner, and at this point we're pregnant, but even our pregnancy didn't go as planned. There's a lot of hiccups every week. Every doctor's appointment was always, we're always hanging on to, to, our, to each other and to Jesus. And I'll never forget this. She turned to me and she said, Lalo, I know we worry, but for today, for this moment, I have enough faith to believe that I'm pregnant and I'm going to celebrate that. There is life inside of me and I am a mother today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Not going to worry about the next day. Not going to worry about 40 weeks. I, I didn't say anything. And after the next day, after I journaled, I went for a run, it hit me. I was like, she encountered Jesus. Because those words do not come from anybody. They're given by Jesus himself. It was a revelation. It was a moment of intimacy that she allowed me to see. When we live our lives in depth and intimacy with Jesus, we can become the people that are radiant with his light. Not because he's answered our prayers, but because we're faithful to him in the uncertainty. We are becoming people who are anchored to Jesus Christ himself. It's what Hebrews 6 verse 19 says, for he is the anchor of my soul. What Jesus is inviting us to is in these seasons is for us to be able to see him in the midst of our suffering. But this is something that's going to take time and it's going to make our walk with Jesus unique and special. The man in this story is born blind. Some of us have been blinded by our worry, by our guilt, by our shame that causes some of our sicknesses and affliction. Some of us have become blind by our endless pursuit of trying to find reason and logic behind our unanswered prayer. The man born blind couldn't see Jesus. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even shout for him. He doesn't even know what's going on around him. But in his long years of living in the guilt, the shame, the blame, his heart was ready, desperate and eager to receive whatever Jesus had for him. Could it be that in the space between us and Jesus, Jesus is, making a, 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 Jesus is asking us to have a deeper, inviting us to have a deeper relationship with him, perhaps experiencing his love in a different way. When Jesus had said these things, he spat on the ground made mud and smeared it on his eyes. He said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and he washed himself and came back to see. 
Jesus, after showing his disciples the importance of death and our relationship with him, then moves on to make something happen. He spits on the ground, creates mud, and then places it on the man's eyes. The mud and even Jesus touching him on this occasion did not cure the man's blindness. But Jesus touching this man is a direct and personal contact with him. Sometimes the answer to our prayers is not what our hearts and our souls um, think it is. It's what our souls and our hearts desire. Above anything else is a touch from Jesus himself. This blind man doesn't ask Jesus to heal him. Jesus just moves to do so because Jesus saw him and moved towards him. He made mud and touched his eyes and requested for him to go wash himself in the well. I don't know about you, but I don't think this is what this blind man was expecting. I think he was, if, if he wanted healing, I think he would have wanted it any other way. One, I think it takes a lot of saliva to create mud. One Bible translation calls it a mud pie. So you can imagine how much saliva goes into that. But Jesus does that. The man follows. He just does what he's told but it's in the washing of his face that he regains his sight. The tension, the suffering that we might encounter in the season of our unanswered prayers oftentimes leads us to blindness. I think it's, it's, it's a normal part of, of, of this journey. Let us not forget that he sees us. We might not be able to see him, but he sees us. He knows where we are, and he knows that we're hurting. Jesus' heart is moved by our suffering. But in, but in the waiting lies an opportunity for us to know him in a new way. And if we're open to that, our prayers will be answered. They might, just, they might not look the way that we expect them to or plan to. Our practice for the week is this. Just spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. God has answered our prayers for me and Lidiana. Our baby girl is due in several weeks, and we praise God for that. I'm not saying that this is the formula to get your prayers answered. I'm not saying that. There is no formula. But what I can say is that the best thing that's ever happened to the both of us is that we both have encountered Jesus in a way we've never encountered him before that's allowed us to navigate the challenges of her pregnancy of the pregnancy that's allowed us to embrace and see our son that's growing up and was also and is also affected by what happened you may not know this but this church is actually birthed from that season of our lives I knew, I didn't know what to do. The only thing I could do was to turn to Jesus. I got on my knees, I prayed, I, I opened myself up. God revealed some stuff from my childhood, which is still part of the healing journey, is still part of the healing process for me. Still, stuff still comes up. 
But I'll never forget that I told God, I said, God, I want to help people draw closer to you. Because in the times where life gets tough and it sucks and there's no answers, you are the only one that can comfort us. That's why at the heart of our church, everything that we do is to help people draw closer to God by practicing what Jesus showed us. I don't know what unanswered prayer you have in your life. But I do hope that today was encouraging for you. I pray that something that was shared, you were able to hear an invitation of Jesus for you. An invitation to simply spend time with Him and allow Him to take you into a new depth with Him. My advice, my encouragement to you would be, what does that time look like? Earlier I started with like, it's common, right? The why, the why, the why. If you need a question, there's a, there's a question in Genesis chapter 3 that God asks Adam. He says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? It wasn't a, it wasn't a question, of, uh, it wasn't a rhetorical question. It wasn't a question of a physical distance. Because in, in a few verses before, we see that God was in the garden with them. He knew them. And Adam heard the sound of God in the garden, which is why he hid. Friends, let this be the question that allows us to draw closer to the Father. If you have the strength, ask him, God, where are you? Where are you in all of this? And then take a step back, sit in silence, and allow him to speak. Just see where that takes you. That is the question that I had to sit with and I still sit with months after. If you need a passage of scripture, live in Genesis chapter 3. Notice the emotions that get stirred up by that question. Again, these questions aren't bad, but they shine light into our view of God, not his view of us. We love all of you. We're praying for you. If you'd like prayer, please come. We'd love to lay hands on you if possible and just pray for you. But if not, fill out one of those prayer cards. We are praying for every single prayer. We're praying for God to, to show up, to break through on this side of eternity, to answer the prayers of spouses, of healings, of financial provision. I mean, we're, we're, we're naming it. We believe it. We know that God can move on this side of eternity. Don't do this in the dark. Don't do this by yourself. There's a community piece as well. Lord, I just want to pray a blessing over our family, over our community today. I just want to thank you for just your kindness and just how loving you are that you're always moving towards us. Lord, would you just bless us with your spirit, God? Would you baptize every single one of us with your Holy Spirit and with fire? May we hear your voice, Lord. May we hear your invitations. May we be the light 
in this world because of what you're doing in us. So Jesus, I pray a blessing over everybody here. May you bless us. We continue to hear you as we continue to fight and as we continue to draw close to you. Jesus, we praise you. Amen.